0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer
1: the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
0: Good morning and welcome to the College Football Daily. It is Monday, April 11th. I'm your host, Colin Kennedy, and today we're going to be talking about something that's very near and dear to my heart. Nebraska football has seen its fair share of ups and downs over the past few years, and if you know any Husker fans like my dad, Tom Kennedy, shout out to you, Pops, then you know this loyal fan base has gone through its fair share of trying times. But some changes to the program and some positive feedback following this weekend's spring game draw some curiosity as far as what's next under Scott Frost. Helping me dissect all this and more is Brian Christofferson of Husker 24-7. Joined now by Brian Christofferson of Husker 24-7, and let's talk some Nebraska football, shall we? The Huskers finished the 2021 season, well, not necessarily meeting expectations, Brian, but just wrapped spring ball period that featured several changes. So I want to ask you, what's the general view right now of the program, and what level of optimism
1: is there? It's a very cautious Optimism. It's, uh, we've been hurt before by off season fluff or hype or whatever you want to call it. So we're going to kind of be slow to buy into a story about this guy or that guy and how he's going to change things. So I think that's where the fan base is. It's, you can tell me you're going to do it. Just show it to me now. I got to see it. Been down this road where, Some people have said Nebraska sort of always wins the off season around here. Like there's this kind of Kool-Aid factor where the glass is always half full and it's going to be an upgrade. And so that's where the fan base, I feel, is at. I think that's a fair representation, generally speaking, is, all right, just show it to me. I'll read the stuff. I'll talk about it still as much as I always do, but I am going to be a little hesitant to be sure that this is going to turn. I got to see it.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's an interesting perspective to keep in mind because I wanted to get your view on this type of question. Josh Pate recently highlighted the Nebraska fan base on late kick. And I wanted to ask you I think from a national perspective, there are discussions here and there about what Nebraska has been through over the past few years. But we know on a more local level that Nebraska features one of the more fiercely loyal fan bases you will find across college football. So can you describe to people, number one, what Cornhusker fans have been through over the past few years? And then number two, how well that they've handled these types of situations?
1: They're loyal, certainly. I mean, the fact that they basically still fill the stadium is sort of amazing when you consider the records. I do think with that loyalty, there is an expiration date on patience and it's getting near that point now where the milk is almost sour. And so this is a pretty critical season in that regard. And I always look at it this way. like I'm I just turned 40 recently, but there's guys and gals who are in college now at UNL, Nebraska. They haven't seen championship football. They hear about it from older people. They hear about it from their dads and moms and grandparents. And Nebraska football is like a family heirloom where it gets passed down. But there's sort of this generation of fans that they've never seen the greatness. You know, they just hear the stories or see it on YouTube videos and all this stuff. And so I think it is really important for that Group who's going to be the fan base of the future and uh, going to be filling that stadium over the next twenty to forty years. You hope to start to see some some wins for themselves and uh, enjoy that. So I think that's uh, there's no question. This fan base is even when people say, "Okay, you're kind of losing me. I don't think I'm going to pay as much attention." Those people I tend to think always end up tuning in and having a big opinion on it when it's all said and done. But you do always worry about apathy when you have had you know, five losing seasons in a row. It's just something that it's hard to avoid. Well, happy belated birthday, by
0: the way. Some might say you're aging much better than Nebraska's football program, but hey, they might be able to change the viewpoint, right? Because last year, Nebraska was 0-8 in one score games. And while some certainly say that's not great, Others will say, hey, they're right there in terms of breaking through and winning some of these games and becoming a bowl-eligible team and potentially even more. Do you feel like this type of sentiment holds true? It's become some sort of an an off-season storyline, or do you feel like that type of storyline should have the brakes pumped a little bit because of everything that's changed from the 2021 season to this point in 2022?
1: That's a very well-framed question because I do think you could argue both. I think there is a, a reason to have hope based off of last year that you normally wouldn't for a team that went three and nine. Normally you'd look at that and be like, man, they're in the ditch. How are they going to ever get out of this? But it was one of the strangest college football seasons you will ever see a team have. Nebraska went one and eight in the big 10 and actually outscored. Like if you put all the scores together, Nebraska was in the plus category in points because they beat Northwestern by like 50 points. And then they lost all of the other eight games inside of like that 50 point number. So they actually were in the plus side, which is incredible. And that tells you like they took Ohio state right to the wire. They took Michigan right to the wire. If they don't fumble late, they, they have a chance to win that game. They lose it. Wisconsin by a touchdown when they're inside they're in the red zone in the last minute so they're in all these games they're ahead of Iowa 21 to 9 going to the fourth quarter I think it's got to become a thing though where you go from hoping you're going to win late to believing and that's a hard thing. You almost got to get on a psychologist couch to figure this out. Like, how do you get there? But it's going to come down to just some guys got to be playmakers in the fourth quarter. You have that moment where early in this season, you win a game like that. And then it's like, okay, we've done it. We can do it again. With certain teams, I think in Minnesota a couple of years ago, when they sort of had a good run under Fleck, that was a team that early in the year was scuffling sort of, and they found ways to pull out games. And then they just kept building confidence off of it. That's the type of season... Nebraska needs. Now, the other part of your question is they've changed up their whole offensive staff almost. They have a new quarterback and we'll get into this, but their D, their D line I think has some some holes in it as far as depth is concerned. And so it's not as simple as, oh, you were this close last year. You're, you're just going to take that next step. There are changing parts going on and a lot of transfers involved in this. So you don't know exactly how those new guys are going to respond To you know this stage and helping this program, so that that it's a tough question. I can see where you can go either way with it.
0: Hundred percent. And and speaking of wins, losses, and potentially breaking through, this is obviously a pivotal year for head coach Scott Frost. For you, do you buy into the fact that this is a hot seat season for him? And if so, what are the realistic expectations for him to stick around?
1: Yeah, I guess I would because you know I think when you're at a power five program when you enter you know, your fifth year, you're at that point where you've got to be sort of a winning program at Nebraska and have established something. Otherwise, they're always going to be looking for the next guy. His record is 15 and 29 right now. And the, the, that would probably honestly have a lot of guys not still in that chair that he occupies. So I definitely think I was fine with them bringing him back with him revamping his staff and seeing what happens. He had a huge buyout. They've kind of shrunk that in half. So it's more manageable now. But I think what does that look like to say, okay, this is going the right direction, I think you got to get in that seven-win category. I mean, this has to be a bowl team. Nebraska is supposed to be playing in the postseason, and it's supposed to be a program that's winning eight-plus games. And I think if you buy into the idea that last year's team was on the brink in a lot of metrics was more like a six- or seven-win team than a three- and nine-win team, then taking the next step doesn't mean just sneaking into a bowl game this year at 6 and six. I think it means maybe knocking off somebody you're, you're not supposed to and getting into that 7-8 win category. So I know that sounds like a big leap to a, a passerby because they're saying they're 3-9, they haven't and been a bowl game in this long. But I, I do think it, it's like, okay, this has hopefully all been building to something is what Husker fans are thinking. Like all this these struggles, this has established a platform that they're going to jump off of now, right? And so that's what they're looking for this year.
0: We're going to take a quick break and we come back more on the Cornhuskers with Brian Christopherson. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The
1: Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada. When she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast.
0: Back here on the College Football Daily with Brian Christofferson of Husker 24-7. You mentioned some of those changes that Scott Frost made before we hit the break. And I want to circle back to them. Can you break down for me some of these new hires that Frost made since the 2021 season and their potential impact on the program?
1: Yeah, definitely some big ones. He has changed four offensive staff members including his offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach who is mark whipple people follow college football closely which is everybody listening i'm assuming will know whipple was at Pitt last year and had a lot of success with kenny pickett made him a heisman finalist and that offense was really purring so whipples he's a guy who's been in coaching for four decades he's been a coach before in the nfl He's been a head coach before in college and Scott Frost is honestly trusting him. It's not like Frost isn't involved with the offense anymore, but he has trusted Whipple to sort of command that ship and Frost is taking more of a CEO, sort of overseer role of the program. So Whipple's a huge hire. He's the highest paid assistant coach ever in Nebraska football history, almost to a million. I think he's at 900,000 or around there. And so there's a lot riding on that hire. Another interesting addition is Mickey Joseph, who is a good, really good recruiter down at LSU, coached some great wide receivers there the last four or five years. He's a former Husker. He played quarterback here, uh, late 80s, early 90s. Sort of the combination of him and Bill Bush, who's also now the special teams coordinator and a very good recruiter, I think has given them some punch on the recruiting trail. And there is an energy that I think the When half of your staff, your full-time assistants are basically new, even though the head coach is the same, I do think it's sort of shifted like some thinking and sort of put a bounce in the step of guys who have been in the program and like, okay, this is a new day. Let's turn this around with these guys. So they're hoping that's the case.
0: You mentioned some recruiting talk and I want to dive into it a little bit more. It's my understanding that Nebraska hosted a number of prospects on campus for the spring game. And I just want to know, number one, how do you view the state of recruiting in Nebraska? And then number two, what type of impact do some of these moves potentially have moving forward on the recruiting efforts?
1: Nebraska has been, I would say, surprisingly good in recruiting compared to their record. Last year, if you look at the rankings, you'll say, okay, that was a down year, but that was also sort of coming off of the big part of the COVID situation and not having visits as they normally were. And Nebraska... Kind of took a dip and had to go into the portal more than usual. But besides that, and I think they're going to get back to this, they've basically been getting top 25 classes. A lot of that, though, has been based on sort of selling the idea of this is what's going to happen. You can be the guys that change this. And, you know, recruits with ego are into that. It's like, yeah, I am a player. I can turn that program around and I can be a rock star in Nebraska because football is such a big deal. But at some point, and I think we've sort of reached that too. You got to put the results out there, I think, to kind of maintain that, you know? So that's going to be the thing. I think we're we're reaching sort of where the scale tips one way or the other, where you've got to put like a seven or eight win season at least together to show guys that you're after like, we did this, now we're going to take the next step, be a double digit win team when you get here in a couple of years, you know, stuff like that. So I do think it's important to add though, one thing where Nebraska behind the scenes has done very well is the NIL game. And they've got a pretty good infrastructure set up. You know, it's sort of a weird thing to talk about because they're not directly connected to it, but it's it's out there. And Casey Thompson, for example, the new quarterback from Texas, I mean, he basically said in interviews like Nebraska's NIL situation was better than anything I saw, you know, including at Texas. And so, for instance, this last weekend, they hosted O'Shawn Mathis, who's a big time pass rusher out of TCU that a lot of people want. Nebraska's got a fight and shot at that one because uh, an NIL helps. So if you're a big time guy, you can do pretty well on that front. And I do think that's going to help Nebraska
0: with recruiting. Let's talk about Casey Thompson real quick, because he's transferring in with the assumption of being starting quarterback for the Cornhuskers next fall. How crucial is his play next season for him as an individual and then for this program as a
1: whole? It's everything for both of them. I mean, I think Casey Thompson last year, people remember that shootout against Oklahoma, and he was so good in it. I think he threw for 400 plus yards, five touchdowns, something like that. And he suffered a pretty serious injury to his throwing hand in that game where he hit it on an opposing player's helmet. And it was kind of undersold, I think but he played the rest of the year with that injury. And so whatever you take of his season at Texas, I think you have to factor that into it. The biggest part for him though, I think, and he's talked about it quite a bit in his interviews is he always brings up his interception total and practices. Like I think he said this spring, he he thought he threw 30 touchdowns to like four picks was like his TDI and T ratio. Now that's practice. I mean, you got to, it's a, it's a whole different ballgame on Saturdays, but that's going to be the story for Nebraska. This has been a program that since really the turn of the century has really lost in turnover margin, like routinely. I mean, like, I, I might be wrong on the number, but like 17 of the last 19 years or something, it feels like they've been in the minus category. So they need a quarterback who, yes, he's got to make the plays, but he's also just got to be really smart with the football and turn that that stat help turn that stat around. So I think that's going to be a big part. He's probably not going to be as much of a runner as Adrian Martinez was, although he might take a little issue with that. His dad, of course, was Charles Thompson, an option quarterback, Oklahoma, and he's Casey can move, but uh, I don't know if they'll run him quite as much as as they did Adrian. That's going to be a kind of a storyline to watch. Speaking of storylines on the roster, what are some overall
0: storylines either side of the ball? that you're following as we wrap up the spring and head into the summer.
1: Well, maybe this is inside baseball for Husker fans, but I think even if you're an outsider, like how are they gonna turn the corner? They've gotta get it right in the trenches. I mean, when you think of Nebraska football in their great years, you think of the pipeline in the nineties and they just took it at people and took away their will by the fourth quarter. You know, this is our game, four fingers up, you don't wanna play anymore. They haven't had that sort of persistence in the run game where I feel like they've just worn on people until it was their day. So that's gonna be a big part. They've got a new offense. Defensive line coach in Donovan Riola. Sort of inexperienced from a resume standpoint. So it was kind of an intriguing hire, but he was an assistant O line coach with the Chicago Bears. But he's got one of the biggest jobs on the staff. And they supposedly had a pretty good spring behind the scenes with their O line, and they feel like they're developing there. So that's one area. And then I would say defensive line. I mentioned O'Shawn Mathis, the, the transfer from TCU. I think they need a couple guys in the portal still before the fall, he would be a huge one and maybe one more interior guy. That to me is a concern spot right now, as far as depth. All great stuff here from Brian Christopherson. And so finally,
0: as we wrap up here on the show, what excites you most about Nebraska football going into 2022? And what might be your biggest concern as we head into the next season?
1: I think it's got to be Whipple's offense and just seeing uh, Mark Whipple, seeing what they've been sort of doing behind the curtain. They did not want to show anything in the spring game. It was to be honest and I they would tell you this, it was a snoozer. They had more than 50,000 fans at it, which is back to that loyalty thing, but it was they played touch football basically the first half. It was hard to know, you know, the run game was all one or two plays and they didn't want to show anything in their passing game. So I think everybody is sort of still like, okay, what What do they got going there? What's that playbook look like? Who's really going to star in it? Trey Palmer's a guy I would bring up. He's a wide receiver transfer from LSU. I think he could be a special player in this offense in the slot. So he's maybe an individual name to know, but how Whipple and Casey Thompson sort of work together. And also Scott Frost. I mean, is Frost going to give up the reins completely when the season is going on and you've got everything riding on these outcomes and let Whipple handle it or what's his role there? So that's probably my biggest like exciting point just to see how it develops. And then I think the worry point or it's like, okay, what's going to happen there? It is a defensive line. And it's can Nebraska stand up against your Wisconsin type teams, your Iowas that are just going to play some some good old fashioned football and try to smash mouth you? And can you hold up there? And so that's where I think they need to add some depth.
0: Brian, this was awesome. Really good information. I really appreciate you joining us on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Be sure to check out Brian on Twitter at Husker247BC and head to Husker 247 for all things Nebraska. While you're here, feel free to subscribe to this podcast feed and leave a five-star review. For producer Lance Glenn and my guest Brian Christofferson, I'm Colin Kennedy saying thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the College Football Daily.